You're listening to SCGA Off the Hosel, the official podcast of the South Carolina Golf Association. Here are your hosts, Alan Knight and Biff Lathrop. Hey, and welcome back to SCGA Off the Hosel, the official podcast of the South Carolina Golf Association. I'm Alan Knight, always happy to be joined by my main man, Biff Lathrop. Biff, how are you? I'm doing great. Hope everybody's having a great spring out there right now, enjoying some of this good weather. So, uh, been finally, heat broke a little bit for us. So. Yeah, it's warm. It's warm. Wait for that grass to finish popping in my it's, yard. Going. It's coming, baby. I know. So, U.S. Open qualifiers, the last thing we talked about. Yeah, the last time we did the U.S., we, did, we do two of them each spring. Um, we did one already. We did it at Columbia Country Club. We just did our second one over at Debidoo, uh down yeah. in Georgetown. I love that. We, you know, we did know our amateur do. there last and all you do last like August. That golf I love that golf course, man. <laughs> it's such a good golf course. You come around, it just depends what the wind's doing on how hard it's going to play. If it's yeah. going to, you know, 17 and 18, about as good a four and five you want to play coming in. I think I've only seen it riding backwards, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, uh, I'm with you. I've never really played it. So. No, it's, it's good. It's really good. And we, we had uh, 90, 88 guys there this past Monday uh, for qualifying, first stage qualifying, and uh, we had five spots available. And I'm proud to say, out of all those players, the great professionals and the really great amateurs that are trying to qualify, four of the five spots we got went to South Carolina boys. Good. Yep. Good. Yep. It was nice. Um, and two under par was medalist. So the golf course played. Yeah. It held us on. Wasn't easy. Like it usually does. That's why I like the place. Um, <laughs> That's right. But, yeah, uh, medal, the medalist that day, uh, our very own Logan Sowell. You know, Logan's good had a good Logan. couple of years here. Yeah, he just hadn't quite got over the top. But man, he's he's a heck of a player. He is. He's a, he's a very a perennial contender. Yep, yep. And uh, so he's professional now. But he shot he shot a two hundred par seventy, and then right behind him was Andrew Swanson at seventy one, and Avery Price at seventy one, and then you know this name, Mr. Bryson Nimber. Yep, I saw the picture. Bryson shot seventy one, and then coming in the final fifth spot, the boy from Georgia, Blaine Bunch, shot even par. Uh, to get the final spot there at Debadu. So it was uh, we appreciate them having us and, and showing off their facility again. It's a great place. Last couple of weeks, starting with the Heritage and then whatever last week's term was, I don't even remember I what I can't remember. We were up in Vermont. Uh they were that was that was the Yeah, West the Wells Fargo. Fargo. They're, they're, they moved Satellite, it. Yeah. yeah. Uh between that and the Corn Ferry tour, both Provo brothers made it How about that? Monday qualified. Yep. Uh and then I think we had ten or eleven the representation is there, man. Yeah. It's, it's, we're starting to see the fruits of the labor from this, you know, Junior Golf Association and, and what they've been doing since 1990. And right. we've seen it for a lot of years, but we have got another wave coming through now. Apparently, so I bet so. It's uh, it's fun to watch. It's yep. fun to watch. But you know, on the different end of that spectrum of the experience spectrum, as the uh, as the U.S. Open qualifier was going on Monday, we started the Senior Championship over at Orangeburg Country yeah. Club. Uh, David Lackey and J.P. Waldron over there at the shop, and uh, Alex Tolbert and Richard, uh, Brown. Richard Brown there working the grounds for us, and they had the golf course in great shape. I'll tell you what, Alan, it's as hard as I've seen Orangeburg play in my 25 years. <laughs> I text Richard. I looked in the leader. I guess Stan Sills was two of a part at some point. Yep. And I text him, Richard, and I said, what have y'all done? And he did say Kyle told him not to bring the roller out the final day. Yeah, man, we were – I mean, the wind was blowing. There was no humidity. Those greens were getting – fat. you could just look at them. They were getting faster and faster <laughs> and firmer and firmer. And, you know, when you – when you're 55 and older, 13 rolling greens don't you're do much kidding. for your nerves, you know. Yeah. So, but they, uh, we had a great championship. The, the cut was high. The two day cut was 17 over par. Really incredible, right? Wow. Um, so yeah, but uh, man, we, we had an exciting finish. Uh, uh, at the very end, we coming down the stretch. Eddie Hargett birdied the last hole to get into a playoff with Stan Sill, who happened to lead wire to wire on this event. But yeah. uh, So they had a one-hole playoff, and Stan made birdie on the first hole to, to take the championship. 
Is that Stan's first senior championship? That's his first senior championship, his first uh, major individual. Now, mind you, Stan has won 15 left-handers championships. Yes, yeah, I, I knew he had, and he's won some four-ball titles. He's won some four-ball This is his first major uh, individual event, and he shot at rounds of 70, 76, 70 for an even par 216. Man. And uh, Eddie – Eddie had the he had the best round in the final round. I mean, he shot sixty nine in the final round yeah. to, to to catch him, and uh, again uh, lost in the playoff. But it was fun to watch the two two good competitors. Excited for Stan and Spartanburg area. I know they'll they'll be yeah. hooting and hollering now, out there. Good to see Stan back in the winter circle, and you know, obviously it's tougher as these kids get younger in our amateur events yep. and and other things. Yep. But yep. good for Stan. So we're we're excited and thank Orangeburg again, man. It's just yeah. a a great place. They do such a good job for us, and you, it's like I told David, we we love going there because we know it's going to be done right when we get there. So you didn't go play in the little splash pool area. No, they weren't quite open up for us yet. But um, and I understand we we they are within a week of allowing regular play and membership to hit off that driving range. I knew it. I heard it's it. Coming. Yep. It's coming. Yep, it's coming. So that's uh, that's kind of what we had the last last week or so, and, and and getting ready to get on it here. The end of May, we'll wrap up May with the. We got a super senior four ball at the Legends at Paris Island, uh, May 18th and 19th. And then um, that weekend, our juniors are back at it with another player series over at Sherall State Park. We got a full field, 84 players. Wow. And uh, so that'll be happening that Saturday and Sunday. And then we come right back again on that Wednesday, uh, May the 25th through the 29th, and we do our four ball championship at Musgrove. Yeah. Good, so good luck. Our match play event, we've got 53 teams for that right now. That includes the defending champs who get an automatic one seed. Right. So we got 52 teams qualifying for the other 31 spots and uh, two-day qualifier and go out there and match play. And that's that's when it gets fun. I love doing the match play out there. It's so fun. It's just a good event all around. Musgrove's a good, good venue. It's a great match play venue. You can you can make you a bunch of birdies, and you can make you a bunch of others real quick out there. And you always have the cat story with you and Mr. Tallman to, yes. to laugh about. Yeah, the so. cat story got locked in my car. Uh, I got all kinds of stories at Musgrove. I spent a lot of time, a lot of good times out there. Quick version is a cat got in your car and locked. Locked everything. Locked my keys, locked everything. Yeah. And I didn't know it until 530 the next morning. I tried to open my car, and it was locked. And this cat's staring at me from inside my car. <laughs> and so then Jeff Tallman at the time, he was head pro at the time, took a picture of the cat and put it as your front license plate. Yeah, I got home that evening. I'm sitting on my front patio, and Jeff had had to, he had an instrument that he could pop my car lock open. But I got home and sitting on my front porch and looked down, and he would put a picture of a googly-eyed cat on the front of my truck. I'd driven all over town, and I had no clue, so. Uh, uh, good place, good people. Yeah. We're excited about it and looking forward to getting on to summertime in June and July as well. Speaking of good people, we got Clem King. Man, he is one of the best. I love yep. that guy. Yep. No, I'm not. I think the interview can just stand for itself. He, he, it will. Clint, Clem's the best. Good talk. Good, good people. We need more like him. Uh, hard work, and I hope he doesn't work himself into the ground. But we, he's been good to us. We're excited to have him on the show, and hope everybody enjoys the listen. Together, the South Carolina Golf Association, the South Carolina Junior Golf Association, and the South Carolina Junior Golf Foundation strive to promote, preserve, and grow the game of golf in South Carolina. Through a combined effort, each association and the foundation work to support amateur golf, junior golf, and grow the game's initiatives throughout the state of South Carolina. Be sure to follow all three organizations on our social media handles for the latest and greatest updates and news. The MySCGA app is also a great way for all members to post scores, follow live scoring at SCGA Major Championships, and stay updated on all things SCGA. To follow live scoring of the SCJGA events, download the SCJGA app. My man, Clem King, joining us here on Off the Hosel. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? 
Good, and I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way. I've got Biff's permission, but I want to thank you for everything you've ever done for me. Hiring me back in, I'm thinking, 99, and not firing me after a handful of mistakes, <laughs> but also the mentoring. I cannot thank you enough. Publicly, this is the best I can do, so thank you. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate it very much. All right, now we got it out of the way. How you, can th- you can thank Steve Bear for that, by the way. Steve's, Steve's a big part of it. There's a, a handful. Of to thank, Alan. No, seriously, if you get down to it, between you two, you get Steve Bear in the room and Eric Smith for a brief time, you've got my golf career, all my bosses right here. Yeah. So, uh, no, honestly, well, I mean Keep that. bringing you back, too. It's not fireable of offenses. Like I this. know, <laughs> I know. Neither one of you. Thank he you. He knows how to make up very well. Right, he does. Yeah. Uh, How did you get introduced to golf? Well, it was many, many years ago, and my dad was a, a, a low handicap player, and he introduced me to the game. And uh, we belonged to a club that was about 30 minutes away, up yeah. in upstate New York. And uh, what, what club, may I ask? It was called Spring Valley Country Club. Really? Wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. Not not Spring Valley here in Columbia. It was, yep. This is upstate New York, and. Uh, they would drop us off in the morning, and I had two buddies of mine that we were same age, and the dads would come up in the afternoon and pick us up, play nine holes with us. So we'd be up there all day long just playing 45 holes all day, just having at it. I would love to see the clubs Clem played with, because even when I worked for Clem, he did not adapt new technology. He kept the clique in the bag when I first worked for you. And he had that old Wilson R90 wedge, which I bet you still hit today, don't yeah, you? Yeah, Robert Dargan gave me a bunch of crap about that, and I finally got rid of it. But Did other you? than that, I, it's not in the bag anymore. Okay. <laughs> you were famous for having that thin, thin little R90. Yeah. So, I miss that club, by the way. <laughs> so you, you grew up upstate New York. Well, Where about up, up there? Northern New Jersey is where okay. I lived, and then uh, okay. we belonged to a club that was 30 minutes away in, in New York State. But um, Did you play junior golf? You know, I, my first tournament, I was 13 years old. Okay. My first actual competitive tournament. How'd you do? Did you win? I did, actually. Yeah. No, you did. <laughs> Who wouldn't know? I did. <laughs> oh, and wow. it was the Bergen County Junior Championship, and uh, I was 13, and I didn't win the next year, but then I won the next three years when I aged up, so I retired the cup. Nice. So Good for you, man. that was the beginning man. of my junior career, and uh, won a couple other junior tournaments, Rutgers Invitational, which was a pretty – Pretty good sized tournament, yeah. And uh, so I had a decent junior career. Did you do much traveling around, or was everything kind of no, local? That, to you? that was everything was pretty much local. Yeah. We had there were enough tournaments in the area to play in. I mean, it's not like it is in South Carolina. Back in that day, you know, we had a few tournaments here and there. Uh, the state junior championship, obviously, uh, high school golf was kind of you know where I really got going with yeah. it. Matches though, not tournaments. Brian? Yeah, the, the the high school matches were what we played, and then the state championship, obviously, a regional. Yeah. I don't even think we had a regional. I think we just went to state. No, I think we did We did have a regional, actually. Yeah. You And then you ended up at playing at Virginia, University of Virginia. I did. I was actually um, – I was act- I visited Clemson and Virginia. Did you? And um, – I was actually going to try and walk on at Clemson at the time. Bobby Robinson was there, and he, he made me an offer to come down there and try out. And as it turned out, there was a guy, uh, Steve Murphy, who was two years older than I am. He was from New York, and he he got Bill Roberts, who was the coach at the time at Virginia, to contact me. And one thing led to another, and they offered me a scholarship. So I went down to – this is great. I was – I went – I was finished my last regular season wrestling match in, like, March – 
and it was snowing and sleeting up in New Jersey. And I went down to Charlottesville for the weekend for a visit, and it was sunny in 75. And I'm like, Shit, this is where yeah. I'm going. <laughs> when were you at Virginia? What years? Uh, 76 to 80. 76 to 80. And 80, if I saw right, you won the Virginia State Open in 80. I did. When I graduated, so I had no intention to get in the golf business. Okay. You know, I was going to try and play professionally. I had a couple guys that I – I caddied for at Apple Ridge Country Club that were going to put up some money, and I was going to try and play professionally and give it a shot. And at that time, um, if you were a Class A member, you could actually get out on tour. So I wasn't a Class A member, obviously. but Okay. So I, I went home. I graduated on a Saturday, went home on Sunday, and I get a phone call Sunday night from John Snyder, who was the head pro at Farmington Country Club right there in Charlottesville where we played – the university played and um he said i just lost an assistant would you be interested in coming back to charlottesville and so at the time i was dating my wife-to-be and you know there were some opportunities in charlottesville and i'm thinking well if i go down there i can still play a little bit and work on my game and blah 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 so i ended up taking the job and coming back to charlottesville but that also led to I thought you were coach and player at the same time. Is that not true? I was. So that was one of the variables that came into play because my junior year, the guy that recruited me, Bill Roberts, he he resigned. He had a kind of a tiff with the AD, and he resigned. He wasn't really – he was actually an insurance guy, and he was kind of coaching the golf team part-time. This is back way before college golf got going. And so he resigned, and the guy that was in charge of the Virginia Student Aid Foundation took over and was kind of a temporary coach. And um, that's when we, we went from playing out at Lake Monticello, which was about a 35-minute drive from the university campus, to playing at Farmington. And so I knew at some point they were going to be looking for a coach. I also knew that if, you know, if I got a chance to play a little bit. So I was, I was playing my cards and figuring I had a, several different options going on. And so needless to say, um, in 82, they um, – Ted stepped aside and they hired a coach and I ended up getting that job. I remember just, I don't know why I remember this, but a story you shared with me one time, maybe trying to help me learn, but to help me personally learn how to play golf. But you took the flags out of your team. You send them out to practice and take all the flags out. And they just had to, they didn't know where the whole location was. Hit the center of the green. On the golf course itself while you're playing while you're playing the course. Yeah, we weren't doing the qualifier, but this was just to teach them that, you know what, that's a big green up there. Just go ahead and hit it on the green anyway. Nice. Quick, quick right. getting so precise and trying to do it because you short side yourself. But yeah. they were surprised at how well they played. How long did you coach at Virginia? I was there from 82 to 89. Wow. 82 to 89. So you had uh, – you ran in some – I found out the other day at our Palmetto Cup matches, you and Steve Lieber used to go head-to-head in the coaching ranks. A well, bit. Steve is the reason I came to Columbia. Okay. Yep. Steve, um, long story longer. Um, so I was coaching – this is in 80, 89, and that's when the uh, Wildwood job came open. And Grant Bennett and David Bennett, they went out to Crick and Tree, and Steve – mentioned it to Robert Dargan's dad and that I, I might be a good person to interview for the job and Bob was a member and probably a president of the club. Yeah, Bob or was on the selection committee yeah. obviously yeah. and I think he might have been the president at the time. And so long story longer, uh, I came down and interviewed for it and you know, I kinda walk into Wildwood and it was a pretty impressive situation there and so um 
they ended up offering me the job, and we moved the family down in, in 89. Now, what made the transition? Had you been thinking about getting out of coaching and getting into the golf professional business? or? Um, you know, it was just a situation where at UVA at that time, I mean, I was coaching the golf team, plus I was the head pro at the university course. We opened up, okay. we opened up Birdwood in 1984, so I'd been there two years. So I was the head pro and the head golf coach. Uh, I did it all. I mean, I didn't have assistance. I didn't have anything. And so I'd leave on a Thursday afternoon to go play in a tournament, come back on a Sunday night, go to work on Monday, and then get back in the van and do all the scheduling. Do uh, all I'm starting to understand the work ethic that I've gotten to know Clem King for for my last 25 years. All right, so if we're going to talk about his work ethic, you can't <clears> – <throat> I would put him up against anybody. Oh, nobody tops Clem King's work ethic. But I, it makes sense now hearing that because, you know, Clem, you and I have been together. We, I, I, I remember when you were at Wildwood, Dad used to run that father-son out there, and we'd go out there, and that's when I first kind of got to know you there. But, uh, yeah, it, it all it's all coming together now. I just had a memory. The first time I really, really met you is Clem got you to come out to Columbia when you were doing course rating stuff still to measure the driving range. Yep. And y'all sent me out. You're like, Alan, take this big old piece of cardboard with tinfoil all over it. Go stand way out there and let Biff shoot you. We found something Alan was really good at was <laughs> just being a target. Standing still with a piece of, piece of aluminum foil. Uh, couldn't screw this one up. No, I definitely remember that. Oh, man. So, Wildwood, you're, and you're right. I mean, back in the – that was late 80s. That was when Wildwood was in his full glory. And it's, oh, yeah. Well, Wildwood was a, a place to be. I mean, we had bent grass greens. Kevin Redfern was the superintendent. He had come from Atlanta. And uh, the Manning family owned it at that time, and great membership, very, very active, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of great people over there. And, and the funny thing is, um, now that I'm back at Wood Creek and that whole situation, as it evolved, there's still a lot of the same people that are there, and that, that was kind of neat. Let's go over that real quick, just for listeners who don't know. Wood Creek was built while you were at Wildwood, correct? Right. So when I interviewed for the job at, at Wildwood, Wood Creek was already being it was on the horizon yeah. and it was supposed to be a couple of years down the road yeah which is one of the reasons why I took the job was like oh this is a great opportunity 36 hole complex you know two golf courses a Fazio design yeah. it was pretty exciting so um and as they, I got down here obviously it didn't happen in a couple three years so we uh, did not open up until October of 1997 and so that was a sister course to the wild i mean it was all under wildwood it was the same club but two different courses yeah it was it was one club and they brought in a mar at the time um the manning family ended up selling it to lynn young okay and lynn young was in the construction business at, at the same time so he he helped finish building wood creek yeah but he owned the golf course and so he ended up once it opened up um, he turned it over and sold it to Golf Trust of America, right. and so and they um, existed as one club. And it was one club, and they you know they had to they offered them a conversion where they could in order to have access to both golf courses they okay. had to pay X amount of dollars and it was, there was a fee involved or they could just stay at Wildwood for another fee or you know for dues. right dues were different and there was an upgrade to join both courses. And I that, remember I remember in college I had to do a project and it involved. Uh, course construction and so i went and met uh lynn young while he was he was on a bulldozer pushing dirt it was on number three at wood creek and uh 
because I'm, I remember I parked off the side of that main drag right oh, there, yeah, and I yeah. walked up the fairway, and I interviewed him right there on his tractor. Huh. And uh, so I, I remember when that thing was being done. That's yeah. incredible. So how many years ago, just to wrap up this whole what's going on, Wood Creek Wildwood, they separated what? how many long? How long ago? Wood well, Creek was- so um, I don't know the exact years, but Golf Trust ended up selling it to the membership, I want to say somewhere around 2005 or 2006, okay. give or take. Yeah. And the membership uh, ran it up until October of 2019. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so you you left Wildwood then in what year? I left Wildwood in '99 and went out to Columbia Country Club. Yep, you came know, to David golf. David Dupree pro. and Chip Prezioso kind of strong armed me a little bit and convinced <laughs> me. That's when Scott Sedgwick was there at the time, and he left to go to Louisville Country Club, I believe it was. And yeah, um, and, and there again. <laughs> another one of those projects that was a, a guarantee they had already set they told me that they had already guaranteed that they were going to redo the green redo right. the greens because those were the old tiftwarf greens yeah and uh, we got out there and that wasn't quite the case and so we ended up taking a year to kind of put a presentation together to get the membership to approve that renovation project you were and you were the gm by that point weren't you no i was not oh, I, was, okay. I was just a golf pro at that time brad was brad, brad roby was the gm and then so right before the um project got approved brad left to go to frs right his restaurant and business. um they asked me if i wanted to take his position and you said yes but he's smiling <laughs> <laughs> I said yes. Uh, I said yes. I thought it was the best alternative, but looking back on it, I don't know. But it was tough, man. Anyhow, that's when, uh, you know, so at that time, Jeff Cannell had just come on board as well because yeah. Chuck Green was there originally. And that was one of the reasons why I actually um, left Wood Creek to go out there because they had hired Chuck Green to be the superintendent yeah. from Florence. Right. And they were talking about the renovation project. And again, it was a, a va- very active membership and a lot going on out there. So Chuck leaves like for a good Sage. Huh? Chuck left for Sage. Yeah, Chuck left for Sage. And then we brought Jeff in. And, you know, we've, we've had a good relationship ever since then. But. Yeah. All right. So before we skip on to the other stops in your career, we got to tell the Scott Amy story about when you were in the club pro championship. <laughs> so I'll tell you my lesson. One time Steve bear called and when, when the golf pros were going to play in their little pro pros, not little, but their events, they always call and check in. How's everything going? And I, my first time Steve bear called check in. I was like, well, this happened and this happened. And the other assistant slapped me. He's like, don't ever say anything bad. Just, just act like everything's great. So tell them about when you called in. So I'm up in New York state playing in the national club pro championship. And, we actually had a rain delay, and we were, everyone was back at the hotel rooms. And so we're at one room, and Susan Few comes in there. Randy was, was one of the players up there, and she says, Clem, you may want to call back to the golf shop. I think there's something going on back there. And I'm like, okay. So I call back to the golf shop, and Scott Amy, one of my assistants, answers the phone. And uh, I said, Scott, what's going on down there? And he says, oh, not much. I said, well, what are you doing? He said, I'm just sitting here watching the cart barn burn down. Oh, I'm no. like, are you kidding me? And he says, nope, just sitting here watching the cart barn burn so down. So not even a cart barn fire could get any emotion out of that nope, guy. He, nope. was, he was so he was, uh He was definitely the Eeyore right? of, of the club. I mean, he was just sitting there having a good time. I he never asked, got too emotional. We Unfortunately, we lost Scott a few years ago, but we, I remember going in there and saying, Scott, how's your day going? He's 
just living the dream. <laughs> that was his little comment all the time. Yep, that was Scott for sure. Well, yeah. I bet that got you in the right mind frame hearing your car barns down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't remember how exactly how I played, but uh, it probably wasn't very good. I'm going to tell you another funny story, okay? And it's Clem's detriment. So I didn't know my dad growing up, okay? And I'll make this brief. So I ended up meeting my dad while Clem and I worked. And I was emotionally drained the next day, just messed up in the head. And Clem, and I'm, I remember we're sitting at the register, and Clem's like, did you go out drinking last night? I'm like, no. He's like, you feel okay? I was like, I, I think I started, I broke down in tears. I was like, I just met my dad last night. And Clem's like, man, this ain't rocket science. You can take a day off if you need to recover. So, so you left Columbia, hung out with Terry Garrett for a while before you ended up at Camden. Yeah, I, I, I'd gotten to a point where um, I'd worked probably 30 years pretty much seven days a week right. and weekends and everything and i just thought it might be time for to try venture out something else and um i ventured out in the insurance world for about a year or so and um after about a year a little over a year vic hannon who was a member of camden country club called me and said they had a opening at camden would i be interested in looking at that and at the time, it seemed like a good idea, and so I went and ended up taking the job over at Camden and general manager, correct? Yeah, general manager, head pro, and yeah. and it was it was really a great move. I mean, that was an unbelievable club. Uh, members were awesome. It was close to home and didn't have to move. I mean, I've had fifteen jobs in the last thirty years, and I hadn't moved out of the house, so I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> right, which was a perk of coming to Wildwood, didn't you? Yeah, get a deal yeah. On coming, Creek? coming back home to yeah. Wood Creek was definitely a perk, a major perk. No, no, I'm not. I'm talking about when you originally built that house. That was part of the job negotiation, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we were fortunate. The Manning family obviously was in the construction business, and we were the very first house to be built mm-hmm. in the Woodlake development. Right. And looking back on it, my poor wife, we had three young kids at the time, three daughters, and uh, we were the only house out there. We had no mailbox, no TV, and <laughs> she's out there every day by herself, and I'm going to work every day. Oh, so. my gosh. I mean, uh, obviously, she's my better now, Susie one is and a, a half. Susie's a great lady and did a heck of a job raising your your brood, your three girls. And I had the pleasure of Jesse, working with Jesse. Yep. Uh, she was a cart girl when I was at Columbia Country Club, one of the hustlers. and She was a cart attendant, not cart a cart, attendant. beverage cart. Yeah. Okay, yeah, she, no, she, she was a... She was a cart guy, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cart guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I say cart girl, I mean cart guy. But, you know, throwing around range balls, it was no big yeah. deal, and... I remember she wanted to work there. Clem didn't want to work there, and I was pushing forward to work there. I thought she'd be good, and and she was good. So, and she survived. She did. She survived big time. And she's a school teacher now. She is, and she was actually this. I mean, all all three of the girls worked as uh, on the swim team. She yeah. was actually the coach there for about four or five years when I was when I was still there. Right. And uh, she's got two kids of her own right now. She's teaching out at Round Top, and Susie takes care of her too. Or actually. Um, her oldest one is a daughter, and she's in school right now. She's in kindergarten, and wow. so she takes care of her son, uh, Gray. Yeah, so you're doing well, man. You, you're about to marry CJ off soon, correct? Yep, last one. But you don't so, have to pay for that one. You've got all the kids from college. You went down the wrong road yeah, there, big boy. Wrong road there. <laughs> uh, they're getting married in Savannah. <laughs> okay. So um, the, the rehearsal dinner is going to be pretty much like the other three weddings right so. <laughs> right with all these kids getting married and all the kids having kids your, your cost of christmas has gone up here significantly oh, I, i've given years. up i've given up for sure i will say when i see 
your family's images on Facebooks and you and the grandkids, I've seen you smile like I don't see you smile. They don't, you know what I mean? I see you smile, but there's a big smile. No, they're they're the heart. I mean, they are definitely the light of my life right now. Right. Uh, I, I need to find a way to spend more time with them for sure. I try and make the effort to get there when I need to be there, and I come and go a little bit like, like I always have, but um, they're pretty special. They're so pretty sp- Kelly's in Greenwood? Kelly's in Greenwood. She's got two, a little girl and a little boy, and Kristen is in Charlotte, yeah. and she's got three. Uh, she leads the, the team. So, she's got two little girls and just had a little baby boy, and then Jesse, like I said, is here in Columbia, um, and she's got a son and a daughter. And CJ's working with Matt Younger now, correct? No, he actually. Well, Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Clay, left. They, yeah, Matt left. So but he's he's working for Husqvarna. Yeah, and doing and well from what I heard. He's doing very well. They he moved down uh, a year and a half ago. He was up in Virginia Beach, and right. then he moved back down to Rock Hill. And he got the South Carolina territory, and ironically, he's working for Clay Morphis, yeah. who was my first assistant when I went to Wildwood. How's it all come full circle? Yeah, I mean, it's That's unbelievable great. how it comes full circle. He's working for Clay, and he just got the North Carolina territory in addition to the South Carolina territory, and he's he's doing a great job working his tail off and traveling a good bit, but... I know Matt was bragging on him about how good he was doing before he left Tuscaloosa. Yeah, he's, he's a chip off the old block for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to Camden now. How'd you end up? Where'd you go from Camden to Lexington? Correct. Yep. So I mean, I I probably would have stayed at Camden forever just because it was a nice slow pace and everything. But Lexington offered a financially a little bit better opportunity. And it's it's a golf factory out there. It is now. Yeah. I mean, it it was it was a pretty neat place. Um, and at the time, like I said, it was more financially motivated probably to get out there and have that opportunity to grow and, and kind of upgrade what they were doing at that point. Um, you know, they had great membership there. I mean, I, obviously, every place I've been, the members have been unbelievable and uh, made so many good friends over the years. And um, it, it's hard. what's hard about it is I've known I know so many people in Columbia, and my memory's going terrible. So yeah, I hear you. It, they, it they is kind hard. of run together. You can't remember which uh, club they were. I at. mean, I see someone that I recognize, and the name just doesn't come up like it used to. But I right, here's an omission. I came in here earlier. I couldn't remember any of the staff members' kids' names. I really did. <laughs> I felt bad. But it happened. No, but Lexington was a really good opportunity, and it's it's hard to believe. I was there 11 years. Wow. And I know. That's a long when drive, I, when, I, too. when I started thinking about it, I'm like, God knows. Where did those 11 years go? I mean, it was like 11 overnight. years. 11 right years. I didn't realize you'd been there that yeah. long either. How was, how was Lexington? I mean, like I said, to me, it's a golf factory. You got some great people, Sam Cheatham out there, who helps to organize the help for the agronomy team and the Peach Festival, the longest-running pro-am, you know? No, it, it was awesome. It was um, – <clears throat> when I first got out there, we ended up bringing Mark Swaggart on board. Yeah. And Mark is one of the best in the business. Uh, th- those who play golf around this area or know anything about it, he's he's an unbelievable player at Clemson. And um, what well, he did to that place in three months of time, I mean, it, it was an immediate effect when Swigert went out there. Yeah, Lexington. he he changed the dynamics of it for sure. And then when when Mark got the job down at the Palmetto Club, we brought in Chris Devane and Chris mm-hmm. from Forsyth Country Club. He's done an unbelievable job. So the golf course is really gotten better and better over the years um and it's been in great shape condition the whole life and i think they're doing a whole lot of improvements at this time and you know we just tried to upgrade it but you know 
since COVID hit out there, that place has just absolutely exploded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we, we, we kind of plugged along and the membership had kind of dwindled down a little bit. And we kind of, that was during some tough times in the golf business. I went out there in 2000, uh, what did I go out there? 2009, I okay. believe. So it was a tough time in general for golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's right after the 08. Yep. And so we kind of built mm-hmm. it back up and, and the board was incredible. They were tremendously supportive and huge yeah. improvements tennis facilities yep we built a couple of clay courts driving in, range driving range we we've we renovated a little bit the the pool activity wise we started a summer pool membership and it's just it's a booming place i mean right. obviously they've only got golden hills and lexington on that side of town so they've kind of cornered the market on that whereas on the northeast side of town you got more clubs than you know what to do with yeah. unfortunately right i I think it's a, a little segue. You're an accomplished player, okay? Uh, Was. Well. <laughs> come on now. Uh, you say that every time we do anything. And somebody, I think, I don't know, maybe somebody you battled against probably a lot was Randy Few. And when I when I moved to Columbia, I wanted to work for you or Randy. That was my ideal job, and I got lucky that you hired me. I really am. not saying that I didn't get lucky. Randy didn't hire me, That you know, but I'm just saying I wanted one of you two guys, and I got lucky. You got any good – competitive stories back in the day from randy i know y'all had to grind it out somewhere uh, uh probably the last time we grinded it out was down at seabrook in the state open the year that he won it yeah and john Faley was actually i think we were the last threesome and um i don't remember all the details i know i kind of screwed up somewhere along the lines and i had a chance to win it on that last hole but didn't make birdie and randy ended up winning it and Faley was right there as well but yeah, um, was a good player. Randy was a good guy. I yeah. mean, Randy is a good soul and a great player. And, uh, you know, we, we competed a little bit in the pro pros up in Piners over the years. Yeah. My partner, Stevie. I was about to say, next person, let's talk Terry Florence, Steve Bear. I want to hear something about these, these tournaments from back in the day. Oh, I'm not sure we, <laughs> we were allowed to say anything about that. <laughs> Y'all had a good time. Yeah, we had a good had time. A good time. Right, we were very competitive. Slinky Steve Bear, okay? You know, skinny little frame. But he can – he doesn't pound it. It's not – I mean, he, he'll tell you he hits a 220 off the tee or something, but he is sneaky good. And he was back then with that long putter. Oh, yes. Stevie is uh, the silent assassinator for sure. He is uh, – he's a great partner. Yeah. He's an absolute great partner. He, he's got game. He played in Heritage. He qualified for yeah. Heritage one year. Right. Yeah. Um, back in the day, probably before I knew him, he, he – um, he had some great finishes in the South Carolina Open and some of the uh, uh, Carolinas championships. So. Yeah, and his son Steve Bear, Stephen Bear, has become one of the top mid amateurs in the uh, nation. In the nation, yeah, yeah in the I nation. Mean, he's incredible how, what he's done after his post Clemson career. Yeah, he uh, he'll he'll play in the Masters one day. I honestly believe that. Do you? I, I think do. he he was headed that way before COVID struck it out <laughs> right. when he was number one ranked. Yeah, he's he's got game, and he's still playing a good bit down there. He played pretty well down in the Azalea. Stevie, I talked to Stevie yesterday or the other day, and um, he made two triple bogeys. I don't I don't know whether it was last day or the second day, um, with a wedge in his hand from the middle of the fairway, okay. and finished like four or five shots out. Oh wow! So he was right there. All right, Tom Mason, talk about Tom. He he was your assistant. My son. Yeah, <laughs> my son Tom. That's great. <laughs> I'll tell you, the, the best story about Tom is um, when I was at Wildwood, he was in USC, and he wanted to come out and work as a cart boy. And I said, yeah, well, I just want to be able to play a little golf, and we needed some help at that time. So he came out and worked, and 
So he graduates and he comes to me and says, Clem, I think I want to get in the golf business. I said, no, you don't. And he says. It's always, it's always blown my mind that people say that, that I want to do this. And guys yeah. like Clem say, no, you don't. <laughs> and I, the PGA probably wouldn't appreciate us saying that. But, you know, we were just trying to be honest about right. it. And I'm looking at it I from get my, it now. I'm looking at it from my perspective. So yeah. uh, I said, Tom, you really don't want to get in the golf business. You're too smart. you got too much going for you. You, you. Go try and find something else. He said, no, I want to get in the golf business. I said, all right. Come on board, and so we brought him on board, and then so when um, that was that was probably like ninety five, ninety six, I guess, right before Wood Creek opened up. So when we opened up Wood Creek, I sent him out to um, Wood Creek to be the head pro out there. Yeah, and he he's always been right by your side in theory. No, nah, I mean, he's he's unbelievable. He's he's done a phenomenal job with him out at the Part T driving range. Oh, I, I mean, he. Um, <clears throat> He went from Wood Creek, and he left Wood Creek after I left and then went down to Florida for a couple of years down there, was a head pro at a course down there, and then he came back and went to work for Ron Swin- uh, Stevenson out at Oak Hill. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And then um, – Woodlands. Yep. Um, McCarthy was looking for someone at the Woodlands, and so we got time to go over there, and he was there for a while until he bought the Part T driving range. Yeah. And now he's cooking over there at the party driving range. Well, he's, 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 <laughs> he's staying, running through. He's running well, through. Well, I'll say that visiting with Tom opened my eyes to – because I was so into our competitive golf, yeah. and I'm not going to say it's top level, but I feel like, you know, we see a lot of the same people in the tournaments. And Tom was saying there's so many people I've never seen that show up in camouflage cut-off shorts wanting to hit balls. You well, know, it goes just, to the point of, of what golf is doing, especially in the last couple of years with COVID. It's gone through the roof. And, I mean, and, and Tom was talking about how, you know, people going out the driving range is one of the few places they could go and not have to wear a mask. And, I mean, yeah. he, he came and got clubs from us because a lot of kids, college kids, are coming out just to have something to do. Well, that's, that's just it. He's so close to the university. I mean, they just – no matter what the weather is, they're out there having a good time. He allows them to bring some beers out there, and they yeah. just have a good time, hit some balls. Yeah. And... Well, he's got some holes out there. He can play a little par three loop. Oh, yeah, they got the par three loop. And then um, his son, Palmer, <laughs> and a couple of his buddies, I guess it was two years ago, yeah. Yeah. they reno- they cleaned out and renovated the putt-putt, and yeah. now the putt-putt's actually up and running and, yeah. and getting some activity. Yeah, that is pretty good. So you left Lexington and came back to Wood Creek. So I get it's, it's kind of funny. I was uh, I was in the delivery not the delivery room. My Kristen, my youngest daughter, was having her second child in September, and um, we were in there waiting in the waiting room, just kind of waiting for things to take place. And uh, I get a phone call, and it was from a friend of mine who said, "So I got a question for you. Would you be interested in possibly coming back to Wood Creek?" And I said, well, I'm more than willing to listen to make a comp- the conversation. So yeah. um, one thing led to another, and I came back and sat down with Harold uh, about a month later and hashed it out and it seemed like a pretty good opportunity and an opportunity to get closer to home and not have to make that commute over on I-20 through the construction. And yeah. So, which was a booger for years at uh, twenty near like. You know, Clem saw every inch of that construction as is in process. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, the first few years it really wasn't that bad. You know, kind of gave me a little chance. I, in the mornings, I kind of wish I was a little closer to home. The evenings, it kind of gave me a little bit of a chance to wind down a little bit. Although the the late nights when we have parties and stuff like that, member guests, it was a little bit of a long trek. But yeah, um, the construction definitely made it. I felt like I was 
once they put those dividers up. Right, we mm-hmm. had to pick your lane. To yeah, stay when in you it. had to pick your lane, I felt like I was taking my life in my hands every time I, I agree. got on the road. I hated it. So yeah. So um, now we're out at Wood Creek, a little closer home. Yep, takes me like twelve minutes to get to work. Pretty good thing. I just got to worry about a few traffic lights. You need a desk the size that we're recording this podcast oh, okay. on. <laughs> I, I, for anybody that doesn't know, hasn't walked into Clem's office, and, and this this was the case every every place I've ever seen him at. It, it's not messy. It's not messy at all. There's a lot of paper though, yeah. and it's neatly stacked. It's neat invoice, and it, it's he knows where everything is. There's a lot of piles. There's a lot of, <laughs> a lot there's of a piles. lot of neat piles. But if if it gets emailed or brought to his attention, it gets printed and then put on that desk at some point in time. Yeah, I remember last I was in there a week or a month, you know, a couple of weeks or a month ago, and I was like, man. I forgot about all this paper here. Guilty as charged, yeah. yeah. That's one of my goals, and I keep deferring it every weekend. I'm like, well, I'm going to attack this thing, but unfortunately something comes up every weekend. All right, something I want to bring up. <clears throat> Wilson Golf. Your relationship with Wilson Golf. It's been there for a long time. Ever since I got into business, my mentor, John Snyder, was a Wilson guy, and the first set of clubs I got was through Wilson as a tour as a golf professional. So, and John, John White, i, I got to be the oldest, longest Vent tenured professional Staff Wilson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, but you sold their stuff for them, and that proves it works. I mean, I remember yeah. David Dupree one time wanted some bonnets balls. We put them in Wilson Staff balls, and they came out the wrong side. Do you remember the whole? They came mm-hmm. out like the quarter size instead of a dime size, and we had to send them uh, back. And, yeah, yeah. But anyway. Well, you know, and the good thing about that too is you mentioned John White, and John White's been a great friend of the golf industry for. As long as I've been around. As long as I've been in town, yeah. So, I mean, it, my years. And it takes people like that to make things like that happen. And John's still doing it. I mean, we were just with him a couple weeks ago at the show up in, in Greensboro. Yep. Um, John's the one of the kind, and he's done an unbelievable job. And, you know, Wilson is a good product. And, yep. you know, they don't do the advertising like Titleist and Callaway and all the big ones, but um, they're a quality product. They've always made a great iron. Yeah. They've, they've never been able to compete with the driver and the golf ball, but – the golf balls are actually a whole lot better than people realize and for the average player they probably need to be playing that duo <laughs> instead of the pro v1 and paying uh, 50 dollars <laughs> whatever they're paying for them versus you know pay like 30 dollars for it but uh, people want to play the best i guess yeah no, i agree john white is a reason one reason wilson was so successful in this territory yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah he, scott amy used to call him the coach because when you went to his van you felt like you got the halftime speech and you're all <laughs> let's go sell some wilson man you know? but uh what's some what's one of the better piece of advice a piece of advice you would have received during your day could have been earlier in your career could have been months ago well, that's that's a good question. I know it's like my Barbara Walters piece. Talk, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna bet you it rolls down to something about work ethic. You, you I mean, talking I, about for my wife or from? <laughs> <laughs> it can be Susie. All right, let me. Well, anyway, I, I have a great Susie story that she, when she taught me a lesson. I don't know if I want to share it. <laughs> I don't know that I want she you. To talk share no, it. here here it is. Uh, I was doing a junior clinic. Clem had when CJ was little. Clem had a group of kids that he did the junior clinic for. And summary, he was probably playing the tournament, and I had to handle him. I, it was my, I took him. And we had a chipping contest, tournament style, and it got down to the brackets. I mean, it was one kid versus another, and, and all the kids were rooting for one kid. And the other kids started crying, you know. And and so it wasn't great. You know, we, I tried to repair the situation there. And, and two days later, we had another one, and I was a young man and wasn't feeling great from the night before. Mm-hmm. Wasn't ready to make a – life-changing speech to these kids but Susie she's like 
Coach Allen's going to talk to y'all now about how you know supporting each other. And I was hungover, and I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Let's do that. Uh, Susie's a great lady, man. She's got you in there. Now, she puts up an awful lot, no question about it. Now, Clem, you talk about your lack of – I know you don't get to play as much as you want to. But I, I have – and I've been a <clears> – I've seen it in person. that When you get out there and play, you can still get it around pretty good. Well, up until this past Palmetto Cup, yeah, I mean, I was doing all right. But, you know, I – my whole philosophy is I've saved up all the good shots, so I don't want to waste any. That's why I can still play a little bit. This but. man, it's coming from a guy. See, I played like a dog. I shot sixty-eight, but I played yeah. What'd you do? What'd you do at the at was it the Lathrop Cup at Thornblade? Uh, no, it's maybe it was a Trescott last last spring at Thornblade. Went up there and you, I think you dusted the entire field. No, nah, I think that was a little misleading on the scores they put down. I played pretty good up there. I, I, I like, shot there around you go. even. I didn't shoot on the Prime example, of Clem King, right there. <laughs> prime example so what's next well i mean i'd like to start playing a little bit more golf here if, if time permits and hopefully if we can kind of cut back on the number of projects that we're doing out of the golf course i think number 14 is going to be the last major project that we've got lined up for now but tell everybody breaking news right here on the what are we doing what are we doing the 14 at wood creek uh we're just we're bringing back the waterfall and enhancing that uh, the creek feature that was that was there when we first opened up, it used to be pretty nice. You know, that creek oh, yeah. had gotten so overgrown, and there wasn't any water coming through it. So we're gonna once we we got to put some water back in the lake. We've got the lake down because okay. they're doing they're getting ready to develop that piece of property to the left of 18 and to the left of 16. And there's like 50 some odd lots in there, and they've got to run the sewer line over to that. So yeah. that's why the lake is down right now. So once we get the lake back up, uh, we're putting some blocks in there. We're going to have a couple little ponds along the way going down that creek. It's going to be really nice once once it's all done. For those of y'all that haven't been to Wood Creek in the last couple of years, I'd say now uh, we just did our Palmetto Cup matches out there, which is our our top amateurs versus the top professionals, and. Um, Man, what the what they've done? I know it's been a, a tough two years, and they're trying to get through a lot of it. But the amount of trees they've taken out, they've redone the redone the cart pass. Uh, the greens were in spectacular shape when we played them. Um, they they just it's a lot of good things happening out there. It's you wouldn't recognize the drive in either. No, the, well the houses they that's yeah. another thing they've built some houses around that joint. Yeah. Um, but it's uh it's it's I know it's like I said it's been a lot going on, but it's. The it product's took, been good. It took away all my hiding spots from when we officiated. Like, number nine, you can sit there and smoke cigarettes all day, and now there's houses yep, right there. There's a road between 12 green and 13 T now. Alan, I don't know if you've been out there since then. No, you hadn't. No. No. Yep. Wow. Down, there's, a, there's a little piece of property down there to the right of 13. I think there's about nine or ten lots in there. So. Wow. They're filling them in everywhere. It's Man. The, it's then. But the, realistically, the, the golf course in the last year has just come – full circle i mean between we put down probably over 35 truckloads of sod last year and probably 30 some odd truckloads of that dark mulch yep and um golf course is in good shape your superintendent joe joe mccluskey yep great guy joe's done a good job you know he was there previously uh joe's very he's a young guy you know new to the, the business but he works really hard and has done a great job and you know the greens are still the old tiff tour so we're we're probably the only club in town that oversees during the winter time i do yeah huh <clears throat> yeah so the transition's a little bit different than what the ultra dwarf um clubs are dealing with but we've kind of we made progress last year with the transition and we, we typically will come in after the 
the Tuesday after Memorial Day and airify and do our transition then where a lot of the ultra dwarfs are waiting until um, you know a little bit later in June or July to do it nice um, it's a tough golf course though man in my opinion be. if you if you tip that son of a gun out yeah it well it's a, it's a good it's a fazio course i right. think what fazio does so well and i'm a big fazio fan he, you know you stand on the tee box and it visually it's intimidating it doesn't look yes. like you have anywhere to hit it out there but once you get out there you realize there's a lot more room than than you than you thought the problem right. with wood creek right now due to the the where the game is right now with all the young players and as far as they hit it yeah it's it's short for the for the college kid right and the good amateurs not for the average player exactly i mean for the average player and the fact that um we have a hard time and we, we we're working really hard on trying to dry the golf course up and doing a bunch of drainage projects but yeah. there, you don't get much roll out there so no. wherever you hit it that's where you're playing from y'all have done a lot on four already well, we've done we've done drainage around the greens and the fairways. We we put in last year we redid the irrigation around the greens because one of the problems was it was always so wet because we had full circle around the greens. So when yeah. you went to water the greens, you're watering everywhere else and you didn't need it. Right, so now right. we've got the new Osmax system in there and that's helped out a tremendous amount too. You know, we did the amateur championship out there in 2016. 13. 13. Thir- was it two? Uh, was it 13? Yeah, it was. It was uh, 2013. I got my 16 was the same year, the same. Carson Young won in 2013 and then won in 2016 again also at W. But um, I remember that that was was probably one of the last times we had an amateur championship where it didn't rain, of all places in Columbia. (laughs) You were Uh, lucky. Lucky, lucky. But the golf course held its own and did exactly what we had wanted it to do. And um, I mean, it is a true championship golf course when you have the opportunity to set it up as such. And Carson Young just went on the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah, with the stash now. He's got that stash now. Yeah, the flow. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And kudos to Ben Martin finishing runner-up. Well, let me tell you, we had a good weekend. I mean, between Ben Martin finishing runner-up and, and, and you know, Kevin Kisner finishing runner-up, I guess, in the match. And I was Dustin. hoping. Dustin? Yeah. I was hoping we'd have a Dustin Johnson-Kisner final. Ah, that would have been spectacular. Because there's a story about when they – did a junior golf right. playoff at the fall challenge and, oh really yeah and, and kevin chipped in to beat dustin i think i blackballed them all of them as soon as i got home was able to turn on the tv is when they, everything kind of went south <laughs> right. as far as our final matchup and everything else so. yeah you don't want to watch me play hey clem speaking of playing I, I know you we talked about you not getting to play much some of your you've played in some pretty big national events tell us about i have i played in the anheuser bush championship played a congressional 100 years ago um Never did quite qualify for the U.S. Open, which was always a goal was to try and qualify for uh, a major championship. And I came close. I missed the U.S. Open by a shot twice when I was back up in Virginia. Um, And then I played in the the National Club Pro Championship several times. I played in the Senior National Club Pro Championship a number of times. And that was my last chance to kind of get into a major as far as I was concerned. Nowadays, uh, the senior – to try and qualify for the U.S. Open, you got to shoot zero, and that mm-hmm. ain't happening with me. So. so you don't consider the Oldsmobile Scramble a major? You made it to that final yeah. event at Disney World. <laughs> that was based on my amateurs, man. They get, they're the ones that qualified. Who were your that. amateurs for that one? Oh god, we we qualified a couple times. I had George Younginer one year. George Younginer, um, Gene. Oh god, that was I'll, I'll, the team I remember was Matt Younginer. Robert Dargan, Vinny Lavodi, or one of the Lavodis, yeah, Thomas no, Lavodi, Thomas Lavodi, and maybe Johnny Fowler. Um, but they they 
You were in the running for one of the divisions. You didn't yeah, win, did you? Yeah, well, I'm trying to think who the fourth was that year. It was those three for sure. I think it was Johnny Fallon, actually. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We had we had a good time at Disney World. Yeah, at Disney World. At yeah, Disney that, World. They don't do the Buick Scramble. They anymore. don't do it anymore. No. <laughs> that was such a pain in the butt to do at your own club first because we had to run one oh, yeah. of our members, and then, then you went to the sectional, and then yep, yeah, on there. that was a lot. That was a lot of fun. It was a great tournament. Obviously, it was, they did away with it. <laughs> the year y'all advanced in the gross division, Florence Country Club with Rocky Pierce and Kristen advanced in the net and you talk about a party in the parking lot oh, yeah. that's when they got back to town were celebrating so hard rocky at apple annie's opened up the door and hit a one iron off the bar up over a krispy cream across nice. the street nice <laughs> so, never know what's gonna happen at apple annie's no, no. <laughs> clem anything we left out you want to mention i can't think of anything well, let me tell you what alan you started off with a kind of a little little part in the beginning i, I want to finish it up here and, and clem i just want to tell you how much you have meant to, to me uh and to the south carolina golf association but golf in general I, and i think that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you on um you know if if, if any of our people have been out there and played in our events they've come through they've, they've probably played at a club where clem's been <laughs> a, a, a part of it and it's always been done the right way and i think that's why you know we, you probably get tired of us we keep coming back to you but, but we know it's gonna be done the right way when we do it and and You've affected a lot of lives, speaking of Allens and myself, even though I never worked directly under you, but I, I worked with you. Um, so we appreciate all you've meant to golf. It's been a, you've been a big part of the whole thing. Well, Columbia's been awesome, and the, the folks that I've met here in town, not only the members but the staff, your staff, and all the golf associations, Bobby Foster and his crowd with it. Um, you know, it, it's hard <laughs> – the only bad thing is it's hard to believe it's been thirty years. Right. I don't know where all the years yeah. went by and um I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything other than maybe trying to work a little bit less and taking a day off every now and then. I'm still looking for that day that doesn't end in Y and as soon as I find it I'm gonna take it off. <laughs> well you need to. You need I got a classic picture of Clem King on the ground oh. with a with a phone to his ear talking to his food and beverage lady and, and up underneath the cart trying to fix the cart tire at the same time. It's classic Clem King. No doubt. No doubt. Clem, thank you for everything you do. No, my pleasure. Appreciate you having me today. Yes, sir.